Welcome to the Lion's Tribe. I am Pastor Jimmy Udukoya. I pray this episode blesses you and it reminds you to become the lion that God has called you to be. Be blessed. It's the most wonderful time of the year. We get to talk about the birth of Jesus. Now, yesterday I kind of started and um, we're going to somewhat continue. If you missed yesterday, it's available on YouTube. You can watch it after the service. Amen. I remember we started with the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew 1. Do you remember that, that long list? How many people have confessed to ever have read that long list? And begat, begat, and Abraham begat, and begat, and begat. And he said, from Abraham to David was 14 generations. From, four, from David to the Babylonian exile was 14 generations. From Babylonian exile to Jesus was 14 generations. But I asked myself a question, and I asked, why did God feel that it was necessary for that to be recorded? They just want to give us history lesson. There must have been a reason, and what I found is God is very intentional about everything that he does. Now, the first time you see this genealogy, uh, this he begat, he begat, was in Genesis 5, right? When he talks about Adam begat Seth, and Seth begat Enosh, Enosh begat Canaan, Canaan, Mahal. Do you remember that, Genesis 5? But I, I, I did a deep dive into it, and I was curious, and I realized that everything that God does has a reason. And he's very intentional about the names that he gave or the names people were called in biblical times. So I began to look at all the names. Yes, I had time. I began to look at all the names in Genesis 5. And let me read something to you very quickly. Quite interesting. Genesis 5. When it talks about the book, it's not on the... Yes, go to the next. Written, recorded... Continue, continue, continue. Then it starts with, continue, 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 continue. What is ahead? Adam lived 130 years, and then, yes, yes, and then it goes to Seth, right? And it goes down and goes down. But check this out. Let me read something to you very quickly. Adam means man. Seth means appointed. Enosh means mortal. Canaan means sorrow. Mahalel means the blessed God. Jared means shall come down. Enoch means commencement. Methuselah means his death shall bring. Lamech brings, means despairing. Noah means comfort. Now you put that all together, and Genesis 5 says this, just based on the names. Man is appointed mortal sorrow, but the blessed God shall come down, teaching his death shall bring the despairing comfort rest. They just told you right there everything that was going to happen. Now, you find that he does this again in Matthew 1. But this time, the names were so much longer. There was a lot of names. We're not going to go through everything. But let me, let me give you... Abraham means father of a multitude. Isaac means to laugh. Jacob means hill catcher. Judas means he shall be praised. Or Judah means he shall be praised. Perez means breach. Zara means rising. 
Tama means palm tree. Abinadab means my kinsman is noble. Nason means enchanter. So all of them have names. And all of them have meanings. This is Matthew 1. And when you have the time, if you want to, if you're like me, that wants to find out what each name means, I implore you to do so. But let me read. It's quite lengthy, so stay with me. Let me read what all the names in Matthew 1, from Abraham to Jesus. What is the meaning? What was encoded in this genealogy? Are you ready for this? The father of a multitude laughs at the promise given by God. However, God will cause his seed to come and supplant. God will replace the old with the new, and he shall be praised and celebrated. The breach of a rising sun will come whose righteousness shall flourish like the palm tree. He is enclosed and surrounded by a wall yet high, exalted and lifted up. This is all within the names. He is noble and generous, giving liberally. The enchanter will provide a garment or robe of righteousness for the people who believe and follow him. In him is strength, but also he is wide in the range of serving and showing friendship. He possesses wealth of eternal life. He is love and therefore loving. It's not done yet. This is all from the meanings of the names. Are you still with me? The Prince of Peace. And therefore, peaceful, will, he will come through a daughter of an oath and is the flame of Jah. He is Jehovah, Yahweh, the light, and also the light and the flame of those who believe and follow him. He will enlarge his people through himself, and they will worship Jehovah and call him Father. He is their physician, their healer, their cure. He will judge sin in the flesh and be raised from the dead, exalted high and lifted up by his own strength. He is upright and perfect. He is the possessor and the one who has grasped his children into his hand by the might of God. He will forget and remember their sins no more. He is the master workman who will build a new house, also known as a new man in Christ, to those he heals and makes whole. He establishes his children in the truth and brings them out from confusion and into their right mind by faith according to his word. This is all from Matthew 1. All from Matthew 1, based on the names. He has prayed on behalf of those who are his, so they can be set free just like those who were sown in Babylon. He is the father of majesty and renown, the God that raises the dead to life by his word. He will send the helper to guide into all truth. This is from the meaning of their names. He is just and Lord that will establish his people and worthy to be praised. He is the help and the gift from heaven above, which will bring in the new covenant with his people by giving them a new heart. He is the firstborn, and he will cause his children to bear fruit. He will rebel against the things of the flesh, sin, and destroy the works of the devil. 
His name is Jesus Christ, the Anointed One. The intentionality of God. All the names that led from Abraham to Jesus had within it a message. Speaking of the one who was the gift of heaven who would come and deliver us all. Just for two seconds, just give God praise for the gift of Jesus. In case you were wondering, oh, God is very intentional about everything that concerns you. Can you imagine? I was blown away by that. Every name had a meaning. And every meaning spoke about the name that is above every name. Now, I went back to Matthew 1, and I looked at all of that, and I just got very happy within myself. But then I went back to Luke 1, where we were yesterday. Can we continue from Luke 1? So we're at the point where Mary had just been visited by the angel, and he says that in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, that was when Gabriel came. And we know the message that she was given. This is Luke 1 from the 26th chapter. And you know, she said, let it be unto me according to your word. Now, if you go further down, the next thing it says, Luke 1, 39, let's read to 45, amplified version. Mary visits Elizabeth. It says this, now at this time, Mary arose and hurried to the hill country to a city of Judah, and she entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, her baby in her womb, her baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and empowered by him. And she exclaimed loudly, Blessed, worthy to be praised are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me? This is all from a greeting. And she says to her, For behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ear, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed, spiritually fortunate, and favored by God is she who believed and confidently trusted that there would be a fulfillment of the things that were spoken to her by the angel sent from the Lord. How did she know all of this? She hears a greeting and all of a sudden she begins to prophesy, if you like. How did she know that the mother of her Lord had come? How did she know that she was blessed with the fruit of the womb? There had been no conversation. 
all there was was a greeting. And this happened because she was filled, the Bible says, by the what? Holy Spirit. The Bible speaks of when Jesus says in John 16, 13, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, what happens? He will guide you into all truth, full and complete truth, for he will not speak of his own initiative, but he will speak whatever he hears from the Father. The message regarding who? That's what you heard Elizabeth say. And he will disclose to you what is to come in the future. He will glorify and honor me because he, the Holy Spirit, will take from what is mine and will do what disclose it to you. Beloved, the spirit of truth is readily available to you. Why? In John 14, 17, it says, The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive and take to his heart because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he, the Holy Spirit, remains with you continually and will be in you. So he doesn't come. You see, in the Old Testament, the Spirit of God would come upon. And it only happened when this God wanted to do something great and mighty. But now we are now in the dispensation where the Holy Spirit doesn't come upon, but He comes within. And He says now that He will stay with you continually. Somebody say continually. He doesn't come. He doesn't go. He is always with you. And so the Spirit of God, who knows all things, who reveals all things, dwells inside of you. Beloved, you are never alone. You walk with God the Father, walk with God the Son, you walk with God the Spirit. Three of them join. I know they walk. You are never alone. You are never alone. He is always with you continually in every area of your life, in every season of your life, in every situation. You have the Holy Spirit readily available. Now look at what Elizabeth says in 41. She says, when I heard your greeting, the baby inside of me leaped. Beloved, this was not a random occurrence. This was not the baby randomly kicking. For those who have been pregnant, this was not Braxton Hicks. Uh, there, was, there was an intentionality to this. The Bible says that the baby inside of her leaped. And I wrote down, the baby leaped because deep was calling unto deep. Okay, okay. 
she, Mary, who is carrying Jesus, comes into the room. John, who is the forerunner, in the womb of Elizabeth, acknowledges the fact that Jesus has come into the room and then a conversation begins to occur and deep begins to call onto deep. Okay, you, 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 you need to understand that, see, this was not the first time, you know, a lot of times we feel like the first time that John and Jesus met was in the waters of the Sea of Galilee. No, sir. No, ma. The first time Jesus and John met was in the waters of the womb of their mothers. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Jesus is in the womb of Mary. John is in the womb of Elizabeth. In the waters of the womb, the Bible says that when she walked in, he leaped. But how do we know that this happened? If you look at Luke 1 15, put it on the screen, amplified version, what the gay angel spoke to Zechariah about John. Listen, he says this For he will be great and distinguished in the sight of the Lord, and he will never drink wine or liquor. And he will be filled with and empowered to act by the Holy Spirit. Read the last line. While he is still in his mother's womb. So when Mary came in, the same spirit that comes from the Father, the spirit that acknowledges the Son, as soon as the Son entered, the spirit reacted. And all of a sudden, Elizabeth is standing, and as soon as she heard Mary's voice, the spirit began to speak through her because the spirit was already working in the womb of the mother that was carrying John. Do you not know that you have a spirit working on the inside of you? Do you not know that although you might not realize it, the spirit knows that you are pregnant with destiny and only he knows what God has put inside of you. So when he recognizes the spirit of God, he begins to speak through you. You are not ordinary. The Spirit recognized the Spirit. The Spirit recognized the way, the truth, and life. And when the Spirit recognized the way, truth, and life, the Bible says, although he was a, <laughs> although he was a baby, he had not come out yet. The fetus in the womb, the Holy Spirit began to empower and a conversation began to ensue. So when they would meet in real life, they were continuing the conversation that they already started. You see, John would say to him, how is it that my master has come to me? The same Elizabeth said, how is it that the master of, of, the, of my Lord has come to me? 
And he says, I cannot baptize you. And Jesus says, suffer it to be so. <laughs> so that prophecy might be fulfilled. But that conversation did not start in the waters of Galilee. That conversation started in the waters of the womb of their mothers. What is too hard for our God? You have to understand that the spirit we are speaking about has been referred to as the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. And that spirit dwells inside of you to quicken your mortal bodies. You have to be aware of the spirit that you carry on the inside of you. The Bible says that Mary comes in and a conversation began. How is it that the mother of my Lord has come to me? And we know how the rest of that story goes. Mary began to bless the Lord and she began to give praises to the Lord. Now, because of my time, I want to jump to Luke 2. I have six minutes. Wow. Luke 2. I want to jump to Luke 2. Let's get to the story. Luke 2. And we know what happened. It says, verse 7, Luke 2, verse 7. Put it on the screen. And she gave birth to her son, her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in swaddling clothes. And what did she do? She laid him in a manger because there was no private room for them in the inn. They were not in a manger because Joseph had no money. It's not that Joseph could not afford a private room. Because clearly it says they were in a manger because there was no room. And I began to ask myself, why would the God of all humanity, God, the divine one, the Messiah, decide to be born in a manger? Now you might say that this was just a random occurrence because there was no room. But I find that very hard to believe when you take into consideration that his birth was announced by angelic hosts. So if angels could appear and speak of his coming, and a star could appear in the sky to represent that the king had been born, I am pretty sure that if he wanted to, come on somebody, <laughs> if he wanted to be born in Herod's palace, in Herod's palace, there was no way Angelic host appeared to the shepherds to sing. Gabriel, who left the, that never leaves the presence of God, came to announce. I am pretty sure that if he wanted to find room at an inn or at the best place, he would find it. But what did he do? He chose to be born in a barn. He chose to be born in a manger. Beloved, there is nothing glorious about where Jesus chose to be born. Animals, cattle, 
the smell of animal hide mixed with dung and sour food and whey. This is where the God of creation chose to be born. Right there, that scene, there is a glaring juxtaposition between heaven's royalty in humanity's peasantry. Right there. Heaven's royalty, the one angels would sing of, decided to come into humanity in the lowest place. Why? Philippians 2 speaks of this. Philippians 2, 4 to 8. Put it on the screen. It says this. This is Paul admonishing. He says, do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interest of others. Have this same attitude in yourselves, which was in Christ Jesus. Look to him as your example in selfless humility, who although he existed in the form of unchanging essence of God, as one with him, possessing the fullness of all the divine attributes, the entire nature of deity, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped or ascertained as if he did not already possess it or was afraid of losing it. But what did he do? He emptied himself without renouncing or diminishing his deity, but only temporarily giving up the outward expression of divine equality and his rightful, his rightful dignity. What did he do? By assuming the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. He became completely human but was without sin, fully God and fully man. After he was found in terms of his outward appearance as a man for a divinely appointed time, he humbled himself still further by becoming obedient to the Father, to the point of death, even death on a cross. Here it is again. The worst way to die, he chose. The worst place to be born, he chose. What is Jesus showing us? Why would he decide to be born in the lowest of the low? I believe that Jesus was saying, hey, I am for everybody. You see, no matter how high you are in life, you can't be higher than Jesus. And no matter how low you may find yourself in life, Jesus is for you too. He's not the God of the rich. He's not the God of the affluent. He's not the God that requires cleanliness. That's why he was born in mess. I'll say that again. 
He's not the one that requires you to be clean. He was born in a messy situation. He's not the one that requires perfection. No matter where you find yourself in life, in the lowest of the low, Christ is for you too. He chose because he wanted to show I am for all of humanity. Because of my time, I'm going to jump to the wise men. I'll wrap up in five minutes, six minutes. Wise men, let's jump because of time. Matthew 2.10, I want to touch on all the touch points of the story. Now we know that Jesus has already been born. He's born in the manger. What happens? Matthew 2.10 to 11. What does it say? When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And after entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then what did they do? After opening their treasure chests, they presented to him gifts fit for a king. Gifts of gold. Gifts of frankincense. Gifts of myrrh. Isn't it interesting that they didn't bring him baby food? Let's, let's think about this. A baby has just been born. They see his star in the sky. And they go to worship. And they come to bring gifts. If you imagine, can you imagine coming to bring gifts for a baby? You are bringing car. You say, here's a car. Here's the key to his apartment for his house. Uh, sir? He's a baby. What we need right now is diaper, baby food, uh, clothes, baby clothes, serilac, pump. Listen, if you have had a baby, pampas, pampas, pampas. Hey, pampas that you use, throw away. Back in the day, they used to reuse the wash. You know the problem with technology? Now, one you and by the time you buy pampas, your whole wardrobe is pampas. And they keep changing. One, two, three, four. And you're traveling. You carry pampas. Can all the church say amen? amen? But when these men came, they didn't bring pampas. They didn't bring milk. They didn't bring food. They didn't bring clothes or swaddling clothes for the baby. They brought gold. They brought, they brought frankincense. They brought myrrh. They brought gifts fit for a king. See, 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 they were not bringing gifts for who he was in today. They were not attending to the baby in a manger. They were bringing gifts for the king of the future. Beloved, it is important that we must have wise men in our lives that can see us for not where we are today, but for where we are going in the future. It is important that you have people in your life that will not speak to your today but they will understand that there is a star over your life. 
They were willing to travel thousands of miles because they identified a star. Find wise men that will try that will travel distance and thousands of miles till they come to the star of your rising. You need to have people who can look beyond your current situation today because where I am today does not mean this is where I will be tomorrow. Because if you knew what God was doing in my life, he said he will do exceedingly, abundantly, above what I can ask, think, or imagine. He says, listen, eyes have not seen ears have not heard it has not entered into the hearts of man what God will do in and through you never mind that you see me in a manger I am a king because my father is the king of kings <laughs> my father is the lord of lords he says do you not know that ye are gods do you not know that you are made in the image and likeness of me? So, don't doesn't matter, manger or not, I am a king. I am a king. Because at last time I checked, we are more than conquerors. I know how the story ends. At the end, we win. So don't let anybody define you by your today. You need to identify wise men. Who can see your star from afar off? Who will stand with you in the midst of your journey? Who will say it does not matter? You may be eating uh, pampas today, but what you need is gold. Because I see your kingly nature. <laughs> you see, it might be hard today, but I have frankincense. Because I know when we enter into a place of worship, the aroma of worship begins to rise up like a sweet-smelling sava unto the Lord. You have to understand that they brought myrrh because myrrh was for the death and resurrection. You might be where you are today, but you are crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, no longer you that lives, huh? but the Christ that liveth in you because it is in him that you live. It is in him that you move. It is in him that you have your being. You have to have your wise man who can see you for the king God has made you. You might be in the manger today, but you are a king. Your star is rising. He says, and the lights are continuing to shine brighter and brighter. They cannot turn off your light because in him was light and that light became the lights of men and this light continues to shine in darkness and darkness cannot who am i preaching to today they found the king and they came in and they paid homage to the king gold frankincense and myrrh but let's not forget that there was an enemy there is always an enemy because surely they must gather it is their job to gather 
But I'm reminded in Isaiah, it says, when the enemy comes in like a flood, then the Lord shall raise up a standard against him. The Bible speaks of Herod. He heard that a king was born. And he tells the wise man, he says, oh, when you find this king, come, tell me. So I too will come and worship him. <laughs> Lip service. With their mouth they call me Lord, but with their hearts. That I may come and worship. But even then the spirit of truth whispers into the ears of the Magi. He says, hey, hey, hey. Don't go back that way. The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. He abides in the affairs of men. He knows the thoughts and desires. Who can discern the heart of man? Less the spirits. So he tells them, hey, I decree upon you the spirit of discernment. That the Lord will show you those who are for you. And those who are trying to ensnare you, he will expose. In the name of Jesus. Don't go that way. And God began to show me. Isn't it interesting that a grown man, a king, is intimidated by a baby? <laughs> oh, come on, somebody. How is Herod? With his chariots and his soldiers and his armies far away in his palace, intimidated by a baby born in a manger. We will not call him an Agbaya. <laughs> Baba, you they fight baby. But the reason why he was intimidated is because he could see that it was not just a baby but he was a king. You see, beloved, the enemy can identify the star in your life. And you must understand why the weapons are, are, are raging, why he is coming at you. It's because he knows how bright you are. The devil is not fighting you because you are a baby today. He is fighting you because you are a king tomorrow. And he knows that if I can truncate you today, I can eliminate the threat. Why is the fight over your life so strong? Because you are a king. Why is he trying to frustrate you today? Because you are a king. He's not fighting you because of where you are. He could see beyond the fact that this helpless baby was born in a manger. He says, ah, that they have come. He is a threat. The only reason why the devil is fighting you, beloved, is because you are a threat. He's supposed to fight you. If he's not fighting you, there's a problem. I will only shoot at you when you are the enemy. If I'm not fighting you, that means you might think you are the enemy, but you are on my side. The biggest, the biggest, what's what I'm looking for? The biggest uh, flattery that the devil can give you 
is to fight you because he knows that you are a problem. Can I tell you something? Sit down, sit down, sit down. Let me tell you something. Since I've become senior pastor, you know, I am, it was very interesting for me. This is a vulnerable moment. Can I share with you? It was very tough going into my father's office. I still call this my father's office. Catch that. Because in my mind, it's still my father's office. So it took a while before I could enter his office because it's his office. And then I look at his chair and I asked, she said, who's supposed to sit in this chair? And she said, me. And I said, me. And it was very weird. So I'm sitting in his chair in his office that they're saying is now my office, but it's still his office because it will always be his office. So one day, I'm in his office having a conversation, having a meeting. All of a sudden, the window begins to flap. Bah, bah, ah. The blinds are shaking. Bah, bah. What's going on? So I go and I open and I see a big black crow. This is not African magic. This is real life. When a, a crow is a bird, but it was not, a, not the small birds. It looked like an eagle. Huge, black head, black beak, white neck, flapping, coming at the window. I said, oh, it's you. I said, oh, you have come. Wait now. I said, wait. He not jump. I said, no, don't go. Come. And then he flapped away. I said, oh. <laughs> Lion does not give back to a goat. You think? <laughs> Do you know who my heavenly father is? Do you know who my earthly father was? He was forged in the furnace of affliction. You cannot shake me. As I wait now, he flew away. Go past the devil. Whether they like it or not, out of our belly shall flow. Rivers of living water. So we are having a conversation. And my visitors are like, ah. I said, oh, don't worry, sit down. Sit down. They must come. They went away. The night of carol service, in between services, I'm in my father's office, meeting with everybody. The one on the left begins to flap again. Bah, bah. I said, oh, they have come back. IT was confused. <laughs> What's going on? Pastor Tolu was there. Pastor Bisoye was there. Sean was there. Pastor Tony was there. I go and I open the blinds. Guess what? You all saw it. The crow was back on the left. I said, oh, you have come back. I said, wait, now, Because the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. But they are mighty to God through pulling of strongholds. I know who lives in me because he who is with us is more than those who are against us. So whether they like it or not, out of our bellies shall flow. And so, Herod tried to take out the king. But you cannot bless, you cannot curse what God has blessed. Who is he that says when God has not said. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine 
the vain thing. The rulers of the world, they come, they discuss, they plot. But he who sits in the heaven. You think that you can come and abort a prophecy over thousands of years? You think God is not the master chess player? God said, listen, listen. He woke Joseph up. Joseph, Joseph, Herod is trying to kill your baby. Get up and take the baby to Egypt. The very place that had represented slavery and affliction. Now became a haven of safety for Jesus. Everywhere you have been afflicted, everywhere that has represented affliction for you, slavery, oppression, hardship, heartache, because he came and because he died and because he rose again. In that very place of affliction, you shall see a turnaround for you. In the name of Jesus. In that very place, he says, when the Lord turned around the captivity of Zion, then we were like those that dreamed. And then our mouths were filled with laughter in the very thing or place that has caused you to cry to sorrow and weep because the gift of Jesus came, you shall laugh in the name of Jesus. Take him to Egypt and he stayed there until Herod died. In this season, death will not see you. Where they have plotted for you and your family. Because there is the blood that speaks. Because the blood speaks louder than the blood of Abel. And has not stopped speaking. When they see the blood, they have no choice but to pass over. In the name of Jesus. When they come one way, they will flee seven ways. In the name of Jesus. The plot and the plan of the enemy over your life shall not come to fruition. In the name of Jesus. Because you have the backing of the host of heaven. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. At pestilence and destruction and calamity, you will laugh. In the name of Jesus, where they say that there is a casting down, you will say there is a lifting up because he will continue to be the glory and the lifter of your head. So shall it be in the name of Jesus. I think it's a good place to close. Thank you for listening to this episode. I pray that you were blessed. And if you enjoyed what you heard, please be sure to subscribe 
And if you know a fellow lion that needs to join the tribe, please be sure. Send them this link. Share this episode. God bless you.